Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Morning Leftovers. Once again, it's me, Zach, here with my partner in crime, Mike. How's it going? You're a little uh, chippy for that result last night. Yeah, I'm I'm a little chippy because I finally decided to jump bandwagons, maybe. So Oh yeah. Uh we can well yeah, we'll 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 discuss the lines a little later. But uh, as as always for our first episode of the week, we're going to recap our college teams and then later in this episode we'll discuss the Lions first game. So we'll kick things off discussing the Michigan game and looking ahead to next week's opponent. So this past weekend, Michigan had their home opener against Western Michigan University Broncos from Kalamazoo. This game wasn't really much of anything. I, I As a Michigan fan, I'm not really taking anything away from this game because it's Western Michigan. We blew them out. We were supposed to blow them out, so there's nothing really to prove from this game. But I'll run through some of the stat lines. A lot better than the Notre Dame game. Our Offensively, our rushing offense did a lot better. We rushed for over 300 yards for a total of 308. We rushed 35 times, so if you average it out, it's about nine yards a carry, which is insanely good. Uh, but again, it's Western Michigan, so we did what we were supposed to do. Uh, for our two lead backs, Higdon had a 13-156-1 line, so he had 13 carries for 156 yards and a touchdown, averaged 12 yards a carry. For Evans, he had 10 touches, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. If you average that out, it's about eight and a half yards a carry, which is amazing for both backs. They did a lot better this week, um, but you can't really put all of it on the backs because without a line, they're not going to do well. So the offensive line played a lot better this week, which they should have. Uh, because, you know, we uh, our offensive line averaged over 300 pounds a player, and for Western Michigan, they averaged under 280 pounds a player. So we got a lot of beef, and we moved them around like we should have. So, again, I'm not really going to take anything away from it. We did what we had to do. Uh, we just ran the ball down their throats. In terms of our quarterback play and our passing attack, Shea Patterson – once again, did what he had to do. He looked a lot better this week, a lot more comfortable. He only threw for 143 passing yards this week, but he had four touchdown passes. Um, and the big thing, he did not turn the ball over at all. Um, and eventually, later in the second half, pretty much all the starters came out. So they didn't even have a full game of stats. So... McCaffrey came in again. He actually threw a touchdown pass. Uh, it was the first time in almost a year. We were one day off from a year for a wide receiver catching a touchdown for Michigan. Finally. Yeah. I think we had about three. So hopefully that can keep rolling because it's sort of embarrassing that a wide receiver doesn't catch a touchdown pass. Um, so offensively, we were a well-oiled machine. Not really any complaints. We didn't turn the ball over. I mean, you'd like to have more passing yards, but at the same time, we rushed for over 300. So, 
I'm not really going to complain about anything. We did what we were supposed to do. Everyone looked good. Not going to take anything really away from it. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, we only gave up three points. We had a goose egg going into the end of the game, but again, we took out pretty much all of our starters, so I'm not, like, embarrassing. How do you give up a field goal to Western? Come on now. You almost lost to Utah State. Okay. At least we take care of the opponents we're supposed to. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, we had an interception again, like the Notre Dame game. Two sacks, eight tackle for losses. We held them to 85 passing yards, which is actually pretty impressive. We gave up 123 rushing yards. Last week I talked about how a goal for a defense should be to hold them under 100 yards, but – we held them to 85 passing yards. Took out our starters, like I said. Only, you know, they only had um, 208 total offensive yards, three points. I'm not really going to complain about that, too. So looking um, now to Mike, what – I don't know if you even watched the game or not, but if you have any thoughts about this game. Yeah, I saw a good portion of it. Um you did what you were supposed to. You know, you can't you can't take too much away from this game. Uh, you didn't play bad, so that's good. You looked solid. Brought in some depth guys, got them playing time, which is important. You're gonna have injuries down the line, so it's good to get them playing time in a game like this. Uh, you know, you did have seven penalties for 55 yards. You know, you'd like to sharpen that up just a little bit, and. Looking at these stats, one goofy thing I do see, like, yeah, Michigan had way more yards, 451 total to Western's 208. But first downs, Michigan only had the advantage by three. It was 17 to 20 in first downs. Yeah, we had a lot of big plays. Yeah, it was just, uh, Yeah. We had, like, two or three rushes that were, like, 50-plus yards. Yeah. So, well, use your size in the trenches, push – opening the gap and do what you needed to do. So I guess looking ahead to week three, again, we have a cupcake cupcake game. SMU's coming to Ann Arbor. They don't have a good record. Um, they're 0-2. They lost to North Texas the first week. And then last week they got blown out 42-12 to um, to TCU. Their quarterback, Hicks, had a 8.6 QBR last week. Um, you can only go up from there. That is true, but you could still go down a little bit. But <laughs> I, Yeah. Uh, the, the only bright spot I found, I looked at last week's stat line for SMU. Their running back had 11 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. So seven yards a carry and a touchdown. Other than that, I mean, they lost to North Texas. That just explains itself. They, they're also – their defense gave up 200-plus rushing yards to TCU. Us just rushing for 300, that doesn't look good. I would predict this game to go just like the Western game. might be even worse. So This is a game you could turn off after the first yeah, quarter. It's going to be bad. Like – 
if you look at ESPN, they got their little matchup predictor on one of the page. The percentage for SMU to win this game, 1.3%. So that's... Yeah, we're it's gonna it's gonna be an ugly game. It's, it probably is going to be worse than the Western game, honestly. So, yeah, SMU can even hang in the macker with Rutgers. Yeah, right it's so yeah. So now we'll move on to Michigan State. Probably one of the best games of the weekend. They had that late start in uh, Tempe, hundred degree start. Both me and Mike picked them to lose this game. Mike was a little upset when they actually did lose the game. I was like, bro, you picked them to lose, but he was... Because I thought they would lose. I mean, I wanted them to lose. I know, but... Anyway. So, yeah, we'll... Uh, you want to start this one since it's your team, and then I'll, um, oh, I'll come in later? Yeah, predicted them to lose, although... It didn't really go how I thought it would. Like even though they lost, thought it'd be higher scoring. Um, ended up being a low scoring kind of defensive battle. Uh Lewerke did not play bad. He was 27, 39, 314 yards, one T D, but he did have an interception as well. Uh we uh gave up 424 yards, though, Arizona State, which hurt. You know, 380 passing yards. Although we only gave up 44 rushing yards. So the rushing defense, strong again, but we couldn't stop the pass. So, I don't know. It's Yeah, that's going to be, um, again, another, another issue. Gave up a lot of passing yards again, just like the first week. In the Big Ten, it, I would say it helps more to have a better rushing defense, but Ohio State throws the ball around. They spread everything out, so that's not a good sign. Penn State does the same thing. The top universities in the Big Ten are going to pass it. You have to yeah. stop the pass. If they don't find a way to get sharper with the pass, it's, it's going to be ugly when they go up against these bigger schools. Wisconsin would be the only team where I'd say you possibly have a pretty good matchup because they don't throw the ball a lot. But even like Northwestern, like they sort of spread it out a little bit. You guys play them too. I think they come to you guys. So that could even be a good game. I don't know. That's something that definitely has to get improved because once again, you got shredded through the air. Granted, Arizona State is a good passing team. But 380 yards is just – it's just a weird game. Yeah, I thought the same thing, like 16 to 13. Like I thought it was going to be like 42 to, you know, 35 or something. Those packed schools aren't supposed to have defense. And I don't know the way it looked in the game. Arizona State seems to have a pretty good defense unless Michigan State's offense is just that bad. We only averaged rushing 2.3 yards a carry. That's not good either. That's cool. Yeah, that's the other thing I was just going to bring up. Your offensive line did not look good nope. either. And that's that's a bad sign, too, because the Big Ten has pretty good front sevens. So the first game, you say, oh, it's just going to be a slow start. I'll figure it out. Now you got the second game. This is 
two games in a row, you're seeing the exact same problems with Michigan State right now. Yeah, um, Arizona State's um, Ren, he's uh, one of their defensive tackles. It was late in the game, and Michigan State was in the red zone, and he literally blew the center on his back. I've never seen like a Big Ten lineman literally get pancaked by a defensive lineman before like that. So that's not really a good sign either. I don't know. I don't know if it's the players or the scheme. Not really sure. But, again, yeah, only two points or yards of carry. That's bad, especially against a Pac-12 team. LJ Scott, seven carries for 19 yards. Connor Hayward. Five carries for 22 yards. That was a little better, but it is no ability to move the ball running it at all. And as bad as you guys played, you still could have won, just like Michigan against Notre Dame. Uh, Brian Lewerke did play well, but again, he had a bad interception, and he fumbled yep. the ball again, yep. same as the first week. He does play he – play, he usually, granted, he plays better than messes up, but still you'd like to clean those things up because – I can deal with one mistake. You have one interception, fine, or one fumble. You can't have both. Right. You, 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 we can give you one mulligan a week. Right. You can come back from one. You get two or more. It's, it's hard to come back from that. But overall, you know, a good game – Arizona State wasn't ranked. Now they are. Michigan State falls the 25th. Um, the only good thing, the positive takeaway, I guess, is they have their bye week this week, so they have time to address a lot of problems schematically. However, we know that Dan Antonio doesn't really – do anything about his assistant coaching problems. So, you know, if it's a personnel problem, that's one thing, but schematically their offense is archaic. And, you know, like Mike Valeni says, every time he talks about the Spartans in a bad way, I love it. He's always like, Michigan State plays... Um, every week to show everyone how big their dinghy is. They just want to line up and run the ball down everyone's throats. Michigan tries to do the same thing. But realistically, it's just not. It's not how college football is no, anymore. Everything they do is kind of dated now. You know, they... Because, okay, you can, you can score. You can waste, like, a crap ton of time, and then the other team's going to score in, like, a minute. So you just wasted all that time, and the other team could outscore you very fast. Where if you're down by one or more, like 10 or more points, running an offense like that is not helpful at all. And I, I don't get why they refuse to you know spread it out more because they, they have the pieces to do it. You know They have a quarterback that's good. We got receivers. Like there's, The pieces are there. They just choose the lineup. Run it up the middle. Right. So, like I said, Michigan State has their bye. 
Uh, looking to week four, though, I'm not going to really get too in-depth with this, but they are week four. They come off their bye. They go down to Bloomington, Indiana to play the Hoosiers. They are currently 2-0. and They beat FIU, which we would expect them to beat, but they beat Virginia last week, which it is an ACC school. It's not the best in football, but it is still an ACC school, so they got the win. Um, they had over... 200 rushing yards against Virginia, so that's going to be interesting to see your run defense against their rushing attack. It is a rivalry game. You guys play for the Brass Spittoon, I think, or some We I don't know. It's, it is a rivalry game, though. Indiana-Michigan State is a rivalry game. It has a trophy in it, so it should be a good game. I know you guys beat them last year, but the year before they beat you down there. So, yeah. It should be a good game. Um, next week, I'll talk more about Indiana's most previous game, and I'll give you more statistics yeah. on their team, but I'm not really going to get into it right now. Yeah, I don't want to get into that right now. But It should be a good game. should be if Michigan State comes out like they had the last two weeks. Could be a trap game. Loss, so. Yeah, Michigan State can't really afford to lose like this game. Because you still got Penn State, and it's a division game too. Indiana's yeah. in the division, so you can't really afford to lose this game. Yeah, we still got Penn State, Michigan, Michigan Ohio State, Ohio State. So you're gonna lose at least one to one of those three. You would think at least one. You can't afford to lose this game. No. All right, so now we're gonna transition a little bit to the NFL. We're gonna talk about the dreadful Detroit Lions. I was at uh, I was at work. I was watching the game a little bit when I could, and listened to it on the radio too, out in my car. All I know is you were blowing up my phone quite a bit with a lot of anger. Well, the game started off great. Kick off the ball to them. First play of the game, Sam Darnold throws a pick six. Wow, we look amazing. Board field rocking. You could see it. On the phone, people were going crazy. You could hear it on the radio, like all the noise in the background. Four people were going crazy. And then, honestly, it wasn't a bad game until the second half. We were down by a touchdown at halftime. We get the ball to start the second half. We marched down the field, score, tie the game, 17-17. Then after that, the whole game completely just fell apart. It was awful. We ended up losing... 48 to 17. So we never scored again from that point after the start of the second half. Matt Stafford played probably close to, if not the worst game I've ever seen him play in his whole career. He was 27 for 46, 286 yards, one touchdown to four interceptions, and one of the picks was a pick six. So that was awful. They couldn't run the ball, they had 15 carries for 39 yards. Two and a half yards of carry. Blunt left the game with an injury. Our special teams was awful. We gave up a punt return touchdown to them. The only bright spot offensively for the Lions was Kenny Galladay. Went seven for 114 yards. Other than that, everyone else was it was just like non-existent. Golden Tate dropped multiple multiple passes, which you've never seen him do that. 
Stafford and Marvin Jones had at least two deep ball passes where the ball hit Marvin Jones right in the hands. So he didn't catch the ball. One was a great right hand zone, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and then just Stafford, I don't know, they had like these quick intermediate routes and he was just thrown into like double and triple coverage. And a lot of the picks, he was, I don't I don't know. He just didn't look like he was making his reads well at all. It was bad. Um, so offensively, it was it was awful. We only scored 10 points on offense because our other touchdown was a pick six on defense. So offensively, it was awful. Stafford, it, sloppy. One of the five highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. You're playing like that. No, you can't. I don't care how bad your play calling is. That's still on him throwing those interceptions like that. It was, it was almost like there was little to no effort from him. It's like he gave up. He didn't even want to be there. And the offensive line played all right. Um, close to the end of the half, Taylor Decker got bull rushed back into him, and he was planted, and he fell into his, and he fell into Stafford's knee. Everyone like held their breath. It was it was bad. He was limping around, but he was all right. He didn't hurt his knee, thank God. Because if Stafford would have went down last night and he had a bad knee injury, our season's over. I don't know why you were holding your breath though. It looks like your season might already be over. It might be, but defensively, you gave up forty-eight <sighs> points. No, we didn't. One was a punt return. One was a pick six. And Stafford threw three more interceptions with bad field position. So I don't really want to throw everything on the defense. If your quarterback throws four interceptions and one's a pick six, like you can't throw the, all the 48 points on the defense. The score looks bad. But like I said, it was 17-17 in the third quarter. They scored – the Jets scored – they said it last night. They scored 21 points in like two minutes and 30 seconds or something. Between the pick six, the punt return, and they scored another touchdown. So it was just a complete just internal combustion. Like I don't know how to – they just – I don't know. But the one thing that ESPN reported today – and they sort of talked about it last night, was one of the Jets players, Darren Lee, in his press conference last night, was talking about how they, essentially, the Lions did not change um, hand signals and audible calls and their formations. They didn't change what they do so essentially the Jets players when they would when lines would come out in an offensive formation based on the motion or Stafford's calls at the line of scrimmage the Jets knew exactly what play they were running and the Jets players knew what routes the wide receivers were running they knew if it was a running or passing play so that 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 would make sense as to why they got so many picks because they knew what routes the wide receivers were running. They could jump the route. So 
that is on that is on Stafford and the offensive coordinator. Because Stafford wanted Jim Bob Cooter kept because I mean on in the past few years, honestly, I wouldn't really say the offense was the problem. No, yeah, the last couple of years, offense passing hasn't been the problem. Right. Rushing was. Rushing but was, but passing really wasn't the problem. League wide, you still got an offense that could score. At right. Least. So it's on both of them. It's on Jim Bob Cooter and it's on Matt Stafford. You know, they both have to have a good relationship to make the offense work between the play calling and the scheme. So they need to go and change everything because they have tendencies that other teams are picking up on and they haven't changed anything. So I don't know why they think they can just come out every week and just keep running the same things and think teams don't pick up on what they're doing. It's not college. It's NFL. Like these guys know they watch a lot of film. They study, they know what teams do. It's, it's not like you can just line up every week and play and try to out execute. Do you think Hooter is fit to call this offense? Well, the problem now is it's almost too late. Like, yeah, you could fire him, but what's that going to do? You can't put a whole new offensive scheme in right now. So you could fire him and have someone else call plays, and they could change some terminology, but you can't change the whole offense right now. That's a lost cause. It's just it'd be a complete cluster F. So I, to me, I would stick with Jim Bob at least halfway through the season, and if nothing improves, I'd can him halfway through the season and then just have someone else step up and call plays until the end of the year, and then you find an offensive coordinator. But – Firing him now and bringing in a new OC is not going to help anything. That would just probably make everything worse, honestly. So, well, I don't have the names in front of me, but when I was actually on my way here, the Lions do have, I guess, two coaches on the roster currently that have been offensive coordinators in the NFL. So they've They've done it before it, with them already being on the roster, knowing the players, like, it might be a way to go move one of them up to call plays. And then if they don't get it done throughout the year, then you can bring in an outside guy. If you got other teams calling your plays, knowing what you're doing, if you're predictable, that's, that's on the OC and the head coach. And I, the way the preseason went, the way that first game went, they better figure this out because Matt Patricia could lose this team real quick. Yeah. And last night we came into the game healthy. Ziggy Ansah got hurt again. So there goes our best pass rusher. I... The way I look at both Michigan and the Lions, we have to lower the expectations until they prove to us they can do something. And that would make everyone happy because you wouldn't feel bad or get pissed about the games if you thought that way. Quit with the high expectations until they prove to us 
that they can do it. Don't expect it. Yeah, the Lions, they got to have the greatest, like, PR and marketing firm ever, though. Because every year, every offseason, they get all Lions fans thinking, oh, it's going to be a new year. It's going to be great. This is our year. And then, sure enough, every year, you get your hearts ripped out. Like, every company in America should be wanting to hire these guys. The way they get all the fans on board, I don't get how they do it. Yeah, I I don't know. It's, again, I don't want to panic too much because the game was 17-17 in the third quarter, and we just had a complete meltdown. So I don't, I don't want to say, like, from start to finish it was just god-awful because it wasn't. I'm not going to say that. Concerning, very concerning, but it's correctable things. I don't believe that personnel-wise or schematically it's completely just not there. Offensively, it's easy fixes. They just have to not be lazy and do it. It's literally... You know, run, don't run a formation and run the same plays every time you're in that formation. Like, run other things. Change words for audibles and hand signals. Like, you can't, it's easy fixes. It's not like you have to restart everything. It's easy fixes, but when you have 40 easy fixes, where do you even start? Well, that's what other teams do every week when they run their their offense. They don't run the same. No, no, I know that, but I'm talking team-wise. You're saying these are easy fixes, but there's just so much that went wrong in this game. Well, it was mostly Matt Stafford. Their O-line played well for the most part. Like I said, Kenny Kenny Galladay played fantastic. He was the only one on offense that really did anything. Marvin Jones had a touchdown drop and another 50-plus yard reception drop. Golden Tate dropped at least three balls, two of which were first down catches. And then Stafford throws four picks and one's a pick six. So no team's going to win if your quarterback throws four interceptions. And as bad as Stafford looked, I'd still put him in the top ten in the league. I think he can turn around. Can you really can you really say the O-line played well, though, when you only put up 39 yards rushing? Oh, we had that last year, and our offense was still fine. And you put piece – you spent money. You put pieces into to improve the rushing game, and it's – so far, it's done nothing. Well, they didn't play on Johnson, I think, enough. And by that time in the game, they were down by so many points that you're not going to run the ball. When a team scores 21 points in two minutes, you abandon the running game. I'm sorry. It's the second half. It's not the first quarter. I'm just saying. We come out of the game, we have two three and outs. So that's an issue. But that's that the other thing too, that's why I don't want to freak out too much because again, we hardly played in the preseason. The starters hardly all played together, which I think was an issue. I think the starters should have played more in the preseason and they didn't. Yeah, they they, they played look, two quarters in the they, whole preseason. They don't look ready to play at all. So 
That's why I don't want to freak out too much because it's one game. Granted, it's the Jets, and we are home. And our schedule is not going to get easier. But... I don't know. I just... I have a hard time seeing us play this bad again in a consecutive week. I just don't see it happening. This season, though, has a big chance now to just spiral out of control. You're going on the oh, road to could. the 49ers. You're coming back home to the Patriots. You're going on the road to the Cowboys. I'm back home with the Packers. Like, Packers didn't look that good. Bears should have won the game. They didn't. Aaron Rodgers is the whole team. Cowboys looked awful. Their offense looked worse than ours. They could not do it. They have no wide receivers at all. And their offensive line is not as good because their all-pro Hall of Fame center has that disease now and he's sitting out. And the other one retired. So their offensive line is not as good. Patriots... I watched the Patriots-Houston game this weekend. The pay, the Pats got it done, but offensively, they don't have wide receivers either. Their whole offensive attack was Gronk. So, I don't, you know, the San Fran game, the New England game is home, and then we go to Dallas. All those games, I don't see us not being able to win the game. Not saying we will win every game, but I'm saying it's not a game where I just look at it and go, there's no way we're winning the game. If we were going to New England, I'd say there's no way we're winning the game. But since it's a home game, we have a chance. Dallas is, like I said, Dallas looked awful. So I, I don't know. I it's, it's so early, like, you can't, I don't know, I don't think you can make decisions based on one week. So, I guess we'll see. You can't make it off of one week, but we also said you couldn't make decisions off of preseason. And now there's, you're getting a lot of negative stacking up, and you're not seeing positive yet. Like, well, they got a chance next week, turn it around. You know, it could just be... Maybe the starters need more time together and figure it out with some more practice this week, and you know, rest of the season might go all right, but might not. That's why I said don't expect them to do anything until they do it, because then you won't feel bad about it. Right. So, you know, I'm still a Lions fan. I'm not gonna cheer for them as heavily as I am going to my bandwagon teams, but. Uh, they just got it. They needed to prove to everyone by just going out and winning, instead of us expecting them to do things that they're not capable of. So, I mean, I'll stick with it. I think next few games they're all winnable. That doesn't mean we're going to win them, but we definitely have a chance to. The division's going to be tough. It's going to be a son of a bitch, man. Like Vikings are by far one of the best full teams in the league. Their roster is very deep. Chicago's defense was top 10 last year, could be top five this year potentially. And then Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. Well, that defense, I mean, you see what Khalil Mack did against the Packers. Just 
taking the ball right out of uh, was that Kaiser's hand yeah. on the fumble, just basically went up to him and being like, "Mine, bitch," and then yeah. just took it. And then he had that uh, yeah, like, fumble or intercept. He took back for a didn't take back for a touchdown in that game too. It was. Granted, those were both Kaiser, but still. He's a difference maker. Right. Right. And, you know, Chicago's offense will be improved, too, because Trubisky has a year under his belt, so you would assume that he would take that step. So they'll be they'll be a tough team. That's not a that's not a gimme two games anymore. That's uh you better win both of them because they're going to be much improved. If Green Bay loses Aaron Rodgers again, you know, he got hurt in the game. Yeah. He might be crippled. I don't know. If he gets hit there again, who I don't know. Who knows? But if Green Bay does not have Aaron Rodgers, they're probably a three-win team. I'm just going to say that because it's – yeah. Yeah, no, the, the limited playing time that Kaiser got. It's, it's, <laughs> it's bad. It is bad. It, it answered that question. <laughs> was, was Kaiser that bad or – was it just because he was playing on the Browns? Well, no. It looks like he was, was also bad. really bad. Yeah. So, it's going to be interesting. Green Bay plays Minnesota this week. I would expect Minnesota to win just because overall they're a better team. Minnesota's defense is even better than Chicago's. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins is better than Trubisky. So, I would expect Minnesota to win the game. Easily. But, yeah, Lions going out to San Fran. Oh, they just got to prove it to us. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to expect anything. So, I'll watch the game. They lose, they lose. If they win, they win. But, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy G didn't really play that good last week, but at the same time, they played Minnesota, so... He had three picks. Yeah. Winnable, but traveling out to that. Short week. Yep. Out west. Short week, out west. West Coast. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, we'll see, I guess. And, uh, you know, change it up a little bit here. Go to a different game from last week. I've had a lot of people ask me my opinion on the Steelers-Browns game. You know, they tied the Browns. You know, it was the most Browns thing ever. End a losing streak with a tie. So they've still not won a game. I didn't really get to watch the game. I was at a golf outing. So I didn't get to, you know, really follow it like I would have wanted to. But it was sloppy. You know, Roethlisberger played like crap. Oh, the rain didn't help. No, but Roethlisberger was also 23 for 41 and threw three interceptions, which you can't have. Um, but first game for them, it's not a loss. The loss to the Browns, I would have been real mad. NFL needs to get rid of this tie rule. It's I agree. You, stupid. You are the greatest, most profitable league in the U.S. and probably the world. How do you still have ties? Like. And the, the whole game was a waste of time because the tie yeah. doesn't do anything no. for either team. No, if, if if the NHL can figure out a way to get rid of ties, if the NBA doesn't have ties, like, what? All right, play till someone scores. Play. Just, you play to win the game. Yeah. Right? 
So either if they get rid of overtime and they do what college does, or if they keep overtime and if they go through the whole time limit, they literally just keep playing until someone scores. Yeah. Either way, someone has to win the game. I mean, it, it, both kickers missed a field goal to win the game. By the way, yeah, that was <laughs> it. Was a I mean, it was an ugly game. Like, I don't want to make a rain an excuse, but I just feel like the game would have been a lot better if it wasn't raining. It is bad. <laughs> Yeah. How do you I miss mean, two 25-yard field goals? I mean, it's a Browns move, but for the Steelers, for Boswell to do it for the Steelers, like that was – Are Big Ben throwing three picks? Yeah. Trying to did. throw in triple coverage to Antonio Brown? Like, what are you doing? Um, I wonder what uh, Le'Veon Bell's thinking, though. Um. Well, if I was him – you can keep rolling the dice and being like James Conner's not going to repeat their performance. I mean, look. Or you could be like, oh, I'm going to come back now. I mean, look, looking at Conner run the ball, he kind of had some Le'Veon Bell traits to him. Like, he was. My only argument, well, the only thing I'll say about the James Conner thing is let's give it two more games. Oh, agreed. I'm not I'm not going to jump in and say. Because he's not going to game yeah. plan against James Conner. Yeah, no, he's now not. Now they will. Right, he's not – I'm not ready to say, like, he's Le'Veon Bell's replacement. Like, let's All right. do this. Like, I mean, you could say that Cleveland took Antonio Brown out of the game. He didn't have a touchdown. He mm-hmm. didn't have 100 yards receiving. Yep. So, I mean, if you don't have Le'Veon, you can take away A.B. And Juju played well, though, which he should have because yeah. they shut down A.B. And, and that's what you need from Juju. If the team gonna shut down A B, Juju's gotta step right. up. Right. He has if, to. If they're gonna go, you know, if they're gonna play him equally, then that's when A B's gonna get his. So Personally, I hope Le'Veon comes back. I want him to. I think football's better with him. Pittsburgh's definitely better with him. He's he's such an exciting player to watch. And you know, Connor had good rushing stats, but you gotta remember that Le'Veon is the second the top, the second top receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers team, goes AB, then it goes Le'Veon. He had the second most catches on the team. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Connor put up good rushing numbers like Le'Veon does, but Le'Veon also catches a lot of passes. They split them out. He can run routes. He can do all that stuff too. So, I mean, Connor did what he was supposed to do, but I'm not crowning him. Le'Veon running back, like not at all, not not yet. But it was it was exciting to see. Yeah, you know, seeing what he did. I was like, right, all right. But we'll give it a game or two more to see what teams do against him. We'll see if he can actually repeat. Yeah. This week they they're home. They play Kansas City. That that should be it. Could be firework game. Pat Mahomes lit it up last week mm. with Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey and Hunt. You got A B and Juju and yeah, it's Connor on the other side. Le'Veon, if he comes back, it'd be a good game. There's some there's some weapons in that game. That'll be a exciting game to watch. Yeah. I think uh I think Mahomes keeps, you know, 
I mean, know. he's a well, he's not really a rookie, but he's a rookie playing. This is the first time he's playing. I'd expect him to make a few mess ups here and there. Like I don't expect him to, you know, completely ball out. Like I, th- I think he might. For all the rookie quarterbacks or whatever, first year playing quarterbacks, he might be the best one. Right. Um, statistically, from a fantasy standpoint, he scored more points than Andrew Luck last week. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Started, uh, started off hot against a team that I thought would go possibly to the Super Bowl this year. So, solid. They might have a. Although Kansas City's like this every year, like during the season, they'll beat like really good teams. They'll have a good season, and they get into the playoffs and choke. Yeah. So we'll see as the season goes on, but I think he'll have a good year. They'll Kansas City can easily put up forty points a game with all the players they have on offense. So should be a fun game to watch. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this episode? Um, I mean, there was a crazy stat in tennis. I heard. Draw it. We just had so we just had the uh, U.S. Open finish, and you know if you watched like ESPN or in the papers, you had all that stuff with uh, Serena Williams going on and the judge getting those. Points knocked off. But on the men's side, you had uh, Djokovic win a game, win a Grand Slam again, which moved him up to third all-time, puts him at 14 majors. Third behind only Rafael Nadal at two with 17 and Roger Federer with 20. Uh, All three play right now. So... Like I'm not I'm not a big tennis fan, but yeah, without, not even, either, without even realizing this, you got three of the greatest players ever playing at the same time. Like for men's tennis, this is a crazy good era. Yeah, if you're a fan, I mean, I I'm not gonna say I'm not a fan of tennis. Like I okay. I I used to play tennis, but um, I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, I played tennis when I was younger, but I mean. I, I watch it in the Olympics, but other than that, I don't really watch tennis. So, I mean, I appreciate it. I just, I think it gets a little boring personally, but. So, here's a stat for you, though. Going back to 2003 in the last, all the, all the majors going back to then. So, it's at 62 majors. Those three guys have won 51 of them. Wow. That's insane. Three guys winning 51 out of 62 majors. That's that's unheard of. That's crazy. That's cool, though. They're all still playing. And then Andy Murray won another two out of those. So, that's, you know, when the majors are on, I guess watch it because you're going to see some good tennis. Yeah. In the finals, probably, because they'll yeah, beat the yeah. crap out of them. Yeah, in the finals, early rounds, they just walk all the way through. All right. Uh, you know, semifinal, because there's three of them. I guess one of them's going to play each other. Right. But, hey. Well, that was cool. Yeah. So I guess that will wrap up 
this episode. Thank you again for everyone that's listening. We appreciate it. Give us some positive feedback. Spread the word. Our podcast is available on the Anchor app along with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever other app you can listen to podcasts through. We're on it because Anchor said we were. So Yeah, so listen. Listen to us. Spread the word. Tell your friends who are into sports. Again, thanks again, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.